It's April 2nd, and today we pay tribute to a television great. Here's what Salt and Light TV CEO Father Thomas Rosica wrote about Mother Angelica. How fitting that Mother Angelica would be called home to God on Easter Sunday. This great woman of faith, evangelical boldness, and joyful courage was one of the Church's great instruments of the first evangelization and the new evangelization. She did in her lifetime what church leaders in the United States had attempted for many years and never succeeded, founding a Catholic television network and media outlet that would serve the world. I shall never forget my first meeting with her in 2001 as I prepared to lead World Youth Day in 2002 in Canada. Her sage advice, encouragement, and promise of prayers at that time, shortly before her debilitating stroke, revealed a woman of great faith and creativity. She remained steadfast and joyful in the midst of her own personal suffering in her early years and her long suffering at the end of her life. Now that the torch is passed to another generation of staff and colleagues, may we all learn from her zeal, loyal witness, ingenuity, and deep faith in God and her trust in good people around her. May the risen Lord and eternal word welcome her into the peace of God's kingdom. May Mother Angelica intercede for all of us working in Catholic evangelization through the media. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, today we continue with our usual show format. Emily Callan is here with me. Hi, Pedro. Don't laugh at how I pronounce your <laughs> last name. Um, and I'm going to put you on the spot, you know, because two oh, weeks no. ago I asked for You're a right. haiku prayer and you didn't prepare one. I know. I know it, but you know what? I don't know. Maybe people don't know what a haiku is. I said a haiku is three syllables, then, sorry, five syllables, yes. seven syllables, five syllables. Okay? I received one. That I want to share because I love this. James Williams, wherever you are, he posted this on my Facebook page. James Williams writes, and this is a prayer. It's not just a haiku. It's a prayer. I'm trapped in some way. I know your love will survive. So I'm wrong again. That's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? It kind of like, ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and I'm pretty sure he posted this uh, during Holy Week. So again, like I was kind of, I'm trapped in some way. I know your love will survive, so I'm wrong again. That is a beautiful prayer. It really is. Not just the fact that thanks it's... Thanks a lot, James. It, thanks. In haiku, but it, it's a beautiful prayer because I think a lot of us feel that way many times. Don't yeah. you, Emily? Yeah. Anyway, um, the the show will continue uh, today. Uh, Sebastian uh, on Connect 5 will be speaking with Michael O'Loughlin. I think you know who he is. Yeah, He's the, Crooks. Yes. Journalist. Yes. Uh, he, the tweetable Pope. <laughs> yes. So that'll be interesting. And uh, that's uh, a little bit later uh, after um, Jillian Cantor comes back with uh, to tell us what she learned from her kids. So I always love Jillian when she comes on the show. Now, in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Archbishop Richard Smith in Edmonton because he has this new initiative called Every Life Matters okay. to educate people in his diocese, but also beyond because it will be webcast, thanks to Salt and Light, on the on end of life issues. Wow. Okay. Um, so so we're going to be learning about uh, what that means, mm-hmm. uh, what assisted death coming to Canada means, and uh, what Archbishop Smith in Edmonton is doing about it. And then at the end of the program, we're going to be speaking with Tom Booth, who 
Um, do you know Tom Booth? He's I been a Catholic singer-songwriter. He's been doing uh, music for uh, a long time ago. A long time. Uh, he's coming back on the program. And uh, in fact, we're going to start with a song from his new album, Time Stand Still. The song is called Time Stand Still. There you go. You left all the pain and sorrow You left all the rain You left all of this world's struggles You left all the shame You left us as well Surely time will tell that you are well You left all of this world's trouble left us in God's time And though we miss your friendship You live where love does shine And as you left we tried To see the other side That was Tom Booth with Time Stand Still from his uh, album of the same name. 
and uh, Emily is here with our news. We had Holy Week. I we guess did. we can't uh, begin. Can't really skip Holy no, Week. No, we can't skip Holy Week. So, no. w- what were the, the, the highlights the of highlights. Holy Week? Yeah, um, I mean, it started off, I guess, with a bang. It started off really powerfully on on Holy Thursday. I mean, we had Christmas Mass, and yes. then and then the Pope uh, celebrated uh, yes, the, the wash- Holy the washing of the feet yes. with refugees. And you were doing the live coverage for that. Yeah, yes, yes I was. Uh, the images were absolutely yes. powerful, and there was just so much simplicity in that event as well because it was an outdoor Mass. Um, there wasn't yeah. this huge choir. It was just you know the Actually, Pope a, and I the liked people the choir. from that center. It was very kind yeah. of like the choir in up in any parish. It, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. what it was. It was like yeah. exactly. It could have been anywhere here yeah. in Canada. Oh, right? He washed the feet you said of refugees exactly so um this center has welcomed close to 900 refugees Mm -hmm. and uh it's an it's close to rome about 25 kilometers outside of the Mm -hmm. um the city of rome and um but he he washed the feet of not only catholic refugees but muslims uh there was also a hindu Mm -hmm. um and and orthodox christians as well so um it was just it was really powerful and it was the backdrop of the whole tritium. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, the Brussels attack that yeah. uh, um, that happened earlier right. in the week, so on the Tuesday before Holy Week, and uh, and then on the Friday there was another attack in Pakistan, and then on Sunday yes. there was another terror uh, attack in uh, in Iraq. Um, yes. And so, sorry, I think it's yes. the opposite: Iraq and then yeah, Pakistan. Lahore, Pakistan. Yeah. Was on Sunday. And so, and the Pope every time he had the opportunity, um, you know, offered prayers for uh, the people. Uh, that, that mm-hmm. suffered and were victims to, to these these terror attacks. And you could tell that in any moment, um, he really took the opportunity to show, um, yeah, to, and to just to just ask the people to pray with him yeah. for, for the end of violence and war in the world. Um, like we saw at the, uh, the way of the cross, um, he wrote this beautiful prayer, yeah, one of the most the beautiful... That's for most people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, cross, the cross of Christ. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so in there, every time he said, oh, cross of Christ, you know, he prayed we for... see you today. Yeah, in yeah. The, this in suffering. This, yes. Or, you know, and... Um, but not just in the yeah. suffering, but also in the redemption. Well, I was just going to yeah, say that, know, exactly. There, was, there were the it. two, you know, and we that's... We see the cross in the suffering yeah. and the horrible things that are happening, yeah. but we also see the cross in the wonderful, beautiful things that people are doing Exactly, exactly. Amen. Yes, I amen. Love it. Yeah. I love it. So it was a beautiful um, Holy Week. Yes, it was. As as it is as always. As it is always. <laughs> Good. Now, on Sunday, sadly, we lost an icon. We did. In Catholic television. Yeah, so the foundress of uh, EWTN, uh, Mother Angelica. So she died at the age of, of 92. She had already been, been sick for, for four years. Yeah, for years. Four years yeah. So, um, so she passed away on Easter Sunday. What a day, though. Yeah. I mean, to, yeah. to go back to the Lord. Yes. Um, and she was a poor Claire nun. Uh, she was born in Ohio. And, and as you said at the beginning of the show as well, that we're going to remember her, um, that she will be remembered for her zeal, her faith, um, her boldness, and, yes. and everything that she do- has done anyways for, yeah, yes. for, you know, out of nothing, really. I know. Um, it's true. It's, yeah. it's, and we would probably wouldn't be doing what we're doing here today right. if, it, if she hadn't started EWTN so many years ago, 30 right. years ago or so. Yeah. Um, maybe just to end, in uh, the little time that we have left, a yes. uh, big, big uh, moment, I think, for Canadian 
church and Canadian First Nations people. Yes, exactly. So the Truth and Reconciliation Commission yes. um, asked that every uh, religious group in Canada respond to the um, the commission in, in the ways that they're in their call to action. So what yeah. what they will do in order to um, to act upon what what kind of came out of this this whole. Um, these reports and the um, the errors of the past that were done in the residential schools and with Aboriginal communities, and so the church responded, and um, and so there there's two documents that they uh, they publish. So one of them is their response uh, to the um, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People and how to adopt and implement this mm-hmm. this declaration within the dioceses or parishes or different different uh, faith communities within um, within the Catholic Church in Canada as well as clarifying um, and and rejecting as well the doctrine what they call the doctrine of discovery or terra nullius which is a principle mm-hmm. of um, who who would have been the first beneficiary of the land here yeah. um, and so there was a collaboration between the CCCB Development and Peace, CCCB uh, being the conference, the conference of, of Catholic bishops, in bishops yeah, as well as uh, Development and Peace and the Catholic Religious um, uh, Congregation, mm-hmm. and yes. um, and so they wrote these the, these documents. Some of their main uh, action points are, um, you know, in within the educational institutions being able to tell Canada's story or history in truth. And that includes also, um, you know, what happened with yeah. the Aboriginal communities and not hiding, not yeah. hiding what, uh, the mistakes again, mm-hmm. um, promoting a culture of encounter was part of this document as well. So getting ministers and teachers and priests to meet with Aboriginals in order for mm-hmm. them to better understand each other, um, promote a greater reflection of the role of Aboriginals within Catholic communities, um, supporting, um, again, one of the points was supporting national events, investigation on the assassination and disappearance yes. of Aboriginal women, which is like a, which huge, is a huge thing, in huge Canada thing right, right now. now. Yes. Yeah. So those are just some of the points. Um, are the documents are available on our website on yes. saltandlighttv.org. And of course, you can find a lot of information on this and what the Catholic Church is doing through the CCCB's website as well. Yeah, good. So okay. Well, thank you for telling yes. us that. And, I, uh, and, and again, a reminder, you can find out all you want to know about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and this report on our website, as Emily said, saltandlighttv.org. Um, and we hope to be doing more programs also around this theme as the report is yes. uh, unpacked, mm. I guess. So thank you, Emily. Thank you, Thank you for Glad news. to be here. Yes, you can watch Emily and all our perspectives team in English, French, Italian, and Chinese, except Emily does only French. And you get the latest updates on our show, Perspectives Daily, on Salt and Light TV and online, saltandlighttv.org, and also on Roku. Hi, I'm Susan Hukong Taylor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me on Facebook. Just look for Deacon Pedro. You can also follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And remember to send me a haiku prayer. Now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the show. It's March. Yes, it's it April. I, and I, but I'm going to say Happy New Year because we haven't spoken since November. <laughs> happy New Year, Happy Easter, Happy Easter, Happy, happy Land, Valentine's everything. Day, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, everything, all the happies, mm. happies. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you learn. You've been learning. Well, no, I should first say that you are very close to giving birth. It's 
very true. Not today. Not, not today, right now. but in the next week, maybe. <clears throat> Who knows? Babies. S- baby they number five. They don't really five. tell you much. So. Yes, yes. Maybe we can have some, some, some of our listeners writing in to tell us that babies, baby number fives like to come in early. I'm feeling like this one's comfortable where it is. Really? Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. <sighs> so has baby number five taught you anything or have you learned Not anything? Yet. Well, Not patience. But <laughs> every baby teaches me that. Yes. It's funny, looking back in my, um, my prayer journal, the night before every baby was born, yeah. my prayer has been for patience. So I feel like if I just wrote in my journal, Dear Jesus, I pray for patience, the baby will be born the next day. I don't know. So uh-huh. Anyway, no, that's not the lesson I'm going to share with you today. Today I'm no. going to share with you the lesson to settle down. And this has uh. been taught to me by my three-year-old daughter, Annie. Yes. Now, coincidentally, it was also the message delivered to me by my uh, yes. priest in confession before Easter. <laughs> but Annie had been kind of teaching me this giving me little subtle hints along the way before uh-huh. I even went to the confession. So, um, yes, as you mentioned, I am very pregnant, 38 weeks, um, and I feel like I should be just calmly enjoying this time and just appreciating those last few kicks in my tummy before that baby comes out and I get to hold it in my arms. But, um, but I have many other kids, so I don't find myself many. sitting down very much. Yes, And also, it's just a very busy time right now. Uh-huh. Obviously had Easter. Um, my son's first communion is coming up. Oh, Joseph. Yes. And there's just been a few other family events that have happened and that are happening. And so I feel like as we plan for these things, not only do I need to make a plan for that event, but I also need to have backup plans A, B, and C in case baby has arrived, mm-hmm. baby is coming, or baby decides to come that very moment. What will we do in each of those situations? I know. So it's a bit overwhelming because it's just your head is constantly going like, what will happen? Who will be there? What do I do? Yes. And I just, yeah, there's no, (laughs) we're on the go, 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 it feels like. Um, So before Easter, as we were planning our Easter activities, I found myself with a very long shopping list and hoped that I could do this all in one stop, one stop shopping. The boys were at school. I loaded up the girls. Here we go. They're prepped. They know it's going to be a long shopping trip, and they're pretty good in the cart or walking beside me, helping me. But as on this trip, as it became apparent that this one-stop shopping was, in fact, not going to be one stop, but I was going to have to do a few other um, stops along the way, I was getting more and more frustrated and discouraged and mumbling to myself as I was pushing the cart along. Finally, I said to Annie, Annie, I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to go to another store. Mommy can't find all the things we need. And Annie just looks up at me with this pure, innocent face and said, it's okay, Mommy. I don't mind. (laughs) I thought to myself a few things. One, I had two boys prior to the two girls, and they just did not like shopping. It was a form of punishment for them. Somewhat of a bit of a torturous event when we had to go shopping. So I'm used to just getting in and getting out as fast as I possibly can. So yeah. this was a whole new perspective. What? She Good. doesn't mind going yes. shopping? But also I thought to myself, she might be okay with it, but I don't want to <laughs> more than one stop. I'm getting tired. Maybe she'll just do it for me. Yeah. Anyway, but just in that moment, I felt like it's okay. She's right. It is okay. It's okay if we do more than one stop. It's okay if we just slow down a little bit. It's okay that I'm not, I don't have everything all those plans A, B, and C checked off. It's okay if I just relax and just take a moment to settle down. So 
we continued our shopping, and we did, in fact, have to make a few more stops. But everything was okay. Nobody exploded. Nobody mm-hmm. <laughs> threw a, ter- a terrible fit or had a meltdown. And we were we just made it happen. And so I, since then, have just started observing Annie a little bit more in her day-to-day life, um, just just to see. It was just such a funny perspective for me from uh, this three-year-old that she would just be so calming in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I just have taken a few moments every day just to see her be. And it's amazing how she can just live in that moment. And she's just been a breath of fresh air to me and a little bit of a resting place for me, too. Like I watch her um, sit and listen to music or look at books or she dances around to some of her CDs. And she's just able to be contented in those moments. Mm-hmm. And I figure, you know what, if she can, if this three-year-old girl can, and if she can give me that perspective, then why can't I? And yes. so yesterday afternoon, I tried to do what she does. <laughs> and I just sat <laughs> down and I had some music on and she was in the backyard playing. So I was sitting by the patio doors just watching her play and just enjoying a moment where I could settle down and let my baby relax. And it was good. It was very good. Good. And you were just being. I was just being. Settling and, down. Yeah. And then later, <laughs> I was not settled down, and I had a lot yeah. of things that I needed to do and was worried about. But in that moment, it was really beautiful. <laughs> yes. Treasure those moments, yeah. as you say, um, with five little ones running around. Yeah. Amazing. It may never happen again. No, it will happen again. It will happen again. And it's nice <laughs> to have your three-year-old teaching you to settle down when I think it's usually the parents that are telling the three-year-old to settle down. Exactly. Settle down. Um, She used to say, I think because she heard me say, calm down a lot. Yeah. She used to say, calm it down, boys. Calm it down. So she's always been a bit of a mom. No, she's great. And I think, uh, again, the parenting... the fact that you warned her and that you were apologize not that you had to apologize, but I'm sorry, but we might have to do this, that she knew what to expect and that yeah. maybe was a, a yeah. good thing to kind of bring her into your your situation so that kids, a lot of times kids just don't know what's going on and yeah, that's why they get frustrated. Yeah, exactly. And she's three now, but one day she's going to be asking to go shopping. So <laughs> <laughs> get ready for that. Yay, I don't want to. <laughs> oh, anyway, very cool. Um, uh, congratulations on baby number five. I'm sure I'll hear when it happens. Yeah. Um, next time we speak, there'll be a little, time we speak, little one behind little me. One behind me. And I have a gift for you. Oh. For baby number five, I just wrote. I just wrote a haiku prayer for you. Awesome. Okay, I pray for patience. This is what I need right now, but I trust in you. Oh, very nice. I like that it says, "This is what I need right now." (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's uh, that's your haiku (laughs) prayer for as you prepare for baby number five. <laughs> Thank you. I'll write you. it out of my journal tonight, and tomorrow I'll have my baby. Yes, excellent. And then you can settle down. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Jillian. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, and baby number five. Hi, I'm Father Willie Raymond from Holy Cross Family Ministries, and you're listening to me on the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. 
Today, Sebastian speaks with Catholic journalist Michael O'Loughlin. They speak about his latest book, The Tweetable Pope. Michael, you cover the Catholic Church for crux across the United States of America. Now, you live in Chicago, and the most significant sort of church event that's happened in Chicago in many years is the appointment of Archbishop Blaise Supich. Uh, now, just being in that local church, when you look at that appointment, what do you see as the significance of that? Yeah, it was a surprise appointment. Uh, Bishop Supich was in a very small kind of rural diocese before this. And when he was named, a lot of people didn't even know who he was. They had to kind of like search through archives to figure something out about him. And he's really come in with, with, uh, with a lot of excitement and kind of he's picked up the Pope's call to get the church out there and kind of talk about a whole range of issues, which has uh, won him some fans and foes alike. I mean, he's out there talking about how the environment and poverty and uh, unemployment have to be concerns maybe on par with other issues that the church talks about a lot, like abortion and marriage. Um, it, it's really been an exciting time for the church in Chicago as a journalist to cover it, to see kind of this energy and dialogue and back and forth. And I think for Catholics in the Archdiocese too, to kind of see someone come in with such energy and enthusiasm. So you heard about the appointment, you, you know, you watched it happen. Um, what, what did you see across the American church? Like what was the reaction like across the board? I, I think surprise. Uh, this appointment took a lot of people by surprise because Pope Francis chose him himself is what is what we've heard. Um, he wasn't on the list of recommendations but he had made kind of, uh, Archbishop Stupitz had made a name for himself talking about social justice issues in the economy and he proved himself to be a good manager in his previous diocese. So he has the chops for the job but a lot of people just didn't know who he was. Um, but as he's kind of gotten out there it's still um, you know, he's at about a year mark. People are getting to know him still. I think a lot of people are impressed by what he's done so far. Let's talk a little bit about Crux, the, the media outlet that you write for. It's an initiative of the Boston Globe, which is a secular newspaper. Um, how did that come about? What's the significance of a major Catholic initiative like Crux coming out of a secular newspaper? Sure, not only a secular paper, but the Globe, which uh, right. for most people, when they think of the Boston Globe and Catholicism, they think of the Globe breaking open the clergy sex abuse story. So a decade after that, having a publication dedicated just to the church is kind of quizzical for some people, like what's this all about? But what I think it is, is it shows that Pope Francis and the Catholic Church at large has really kind of captured the imagination of a whole lot of people, not just Catholics. Its influence on, you know, culture and politics and life, um, it, it's something that has to be covered seriously. So as secular journalists, um, I think we're able to kind of step back a little bit and look at what's really going on and we can cover all sides fairly and we hope that people who read Crux have uh, the ability to find something that's interesting to them no matter where they fall on both the political and ecclesial um, spectrum. There's something there for everyone. Now you're the author of uh, a book, The Tweetable Pope. Um, just tell us a little bit about that book and what inspired you to write it and why Pope Francis seems to be a great tweeter. Sure, yeah, so we have five minutes for this, but Pope Francis, I think, recognizes that most people have about 20 seconds to listen to a message. So for him, Twitter is the perfect platform to do that. Uh, he speaks in great sound bites, and they transition so easily to Twitter. But they, the key to Pope Francis on Twitter is that they really stick with you, and you think about them throughout the day. So if you follow him on Twitter and see the messages or someone retweets it, it might give you pause and make you kind of step away from the screen for a minute and make you think about something a little bit deeper than you're used to from a Twitter prompt. 
There's a fascinating statistic about Pope Francis's tweets, which is that he has, I think, 22 or 21 million followers, which is not the most. I mean, we have people like Justin Bieber who have, you know, sure. God knows how many. Yeah. Uh, but he's the most, I think, retweeted of all the major leaders, leader figures uh, in the world, retweeted by a long shot. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think accounts for that, or what's what's behind that? Yeah, it's, I write in the book that uh, people are inspired, but also challenged by him, and I think. A lot of people want both. They want to be kind of encouraged in what they're doing in their lives, but also kind of challenged to reconsider how they might improve. And he's a master at doing that on Twitter, both. And that's why for three years in a row, he's been the most influential global leader on Twitter. Amazing for someone who doesn't watch television and doesn't look at the internet no, or whatever. No, doesn't know how to use a computer, but <laughs> there he is. Michael, thank you very much. Thanks. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Catholic journalist Michael O'Loughlin. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5 and on our Roku channel. Coming up in our second half hour, Archbishop Richard Smith of Edmonton on end-of-life issues and a featured chat with Tom Booth. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, as many of you know, because we have been speaking about this in this program, the Canadian Criminal Code is being amended to include what they're calling assisted death. And now, that is important, of course, but the issues of suffering and, and preparing for death are, are, are issues that touch all of us. And the Church tells us how we should respond as followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, the Archdiocese of Edmonton, under the leadership of Archbishop Richard Smith, is uh, undertaking a special initiative to help us explore deeply our Catholic stance against assisted suicide and euthanasia. And so I'm very happy to welcome Archbishop Richard Smith to the Salt and Light Hour. Bishop, welcome. Glad to be with you. Thanks, Deacon So, um, briefly, and I know you're not a legal expert, but briefly, what, what are the changes that are being made to the criminal code? Well, it was um, well over a year ago now that our Supreme Court of Canada mandated uh, changes to the criminal code for persons that they say are, first of all, competent. They're suffering from what they call an irremediable uh, condition, mm -hmm. uh, suffering that's intolerable to them. Yeah. And for persons in such situations, uh, the Supreme Court says that there should be a right for these people to access assisted suicide and even euthanasia, yeah. and mandated the federal government to come up with legislation to reflect that change in the law. Mm -hmm. And so um, recently, in February, the federal government asked for a little bit of extra time beyond what the Supreme Court had given them to come up with legislation. So they're supposed to come up with something uh, by June of this year. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, to help prepare for that at the prov provincial levels, uh, the governments are coming up with regulations to direct how this will be uh, delivered um, in in the respective jurisdictions. Right. So that's uh, that's where where we are right now. We're waiting for the legislation, uh, waiting to see what provincial regulations uh, might look like. But that does not mean, of course, that we've been silent on this. 
No. And the church has been acting on a number of different fronts, yeah. uh, encouraging our people to reach out to the federal government, to members of parliament, also to provincial government, to the MLAs, to make yes. sure that they understand our stance, that this is morally wrong in every circumstance. Yes. yes. And um, we need to be standing up uh, also for conscience protection for healthcare oh, workers, yes, healthcare course. institutions that inevitably are going to feel under pressure uh, to deliver these services even against um, their moral convictions. Right. So, so just that, li- sorry to interrupt, but just just to clarify, so are, is it safe to say that this is a, I mean, basically a done deal? The law is being changed. Assisted death is what they're calling it is coming to Canada. There's no turning back? Um, I think on the legal front, uh, that's probably uh, accurate, yeah. as that is to say. Um, what I do say to folks, though, is even if we um, are in a position where we need to accept this as a given, in no way do we accept it as a good, because yes. it isn't. Of course. And that leads to the initiative that's been happening here, or will be happening, yes. Uh, in the Archdiocese of Edmonton. Yep. The vague wording of the Supreme Court decision mm-hmm. uh, sadly means that whatever legislation is uh, put in place in our country, over time is not going to be surviving, I don't think, no. charter challenges. And so what we will see is just increasing access yes. uh, to these uh, two services, which which are obviously morally wrong. Mm-hmm. In that situation, question arises, how do we help our own people uh, remain strong, remain firm in their knowledge of the faith, in their knowledge of what the church teaches, so that uh, regardless of what happens in the society around them, Mm -hmm. they remain strong in the conviction that this is wrong and we will have no part of it. The the reason for the urgency of that question is that we have found that uh, many of our own people Um, sometimes get confused about terminology, and that's not at all surprising because terminology is getting misused in order to advance these practices. So how can we reach out to our own people to help them understand the legal landscape right now, uh, accurate understanding of terminology, and what is, in fact, the teaching of the Church? Not just with respect to these particular services, but also with respect to some of the uh, concepts that revolve around them. So uh, freedom, autonomy, choice, suffering. Yes. For the last number of months, I've been holding small listening sessions throughout the Archdiocese to hear from people precisely their questions. What are their concerns? Mm -hmm. How can the Church answer those? And what people have found, so they've told me anyway, they've found it helpful Uh, to be able to have conversations with the Archbishop around such topics. And so the committee that was helping me with these particular listening sessions uh, strongly advised that we make this accessible more broadly across the Archdiocese. So that's what we're doing. Okay. We will have five different sessions Mm -hmm. in different points of the Archdiocese, and each session will be based upon um, the most frequently posed questions, the ones that I encounter the most. So, for Mm -hmm. example, what's this all about? Why are these practices wrong? Um, How does freedom enter into this, help us understand the Christian meaning of suffering? And then Mm -hmm. finally, what can we do about all of this? And so at each each of the sessions, we'll have um, 
some clinical input from a medical professional or, or legal input. Um, we'll have a witness presentation from people that are personally impacted by this or potentially. And then the faith dimension is something that, that I will offer, following which we hope to open it up for a question and answer session with mm-hmm. me or with the other experts that are there. Okay, good. So these are these are live events on f- in five different parishes in the whole archdiocesan area, but you're also going to be webcasting it so that people who are not there can participate. For sure, and uh, we've uh, turned to yourselves as yes. light uh, for help, and you've generously accepted to do so. Um, yeah, th- this this is uh, an issue that impacts everyone, and mm-hmm. because of distances here in our archdiocese, not everyone can get to every session. No. And so one way to make that accessible to folks is to have it uh, have each session live-streamed. Right. They can access it over the computer or maybe even gather in their local parishes where Absolutely. the parish can live-stream it in. Absolutely. And we're going to make sure that all that information gets out. Um, uh, maybe in closing, if you can say, so you've, spoke, you've spoken about, I mean, people want to know at the very basic level that this is happening. I mean that the law is changed. That uh, and as you said, kind of what what the words mean. What is what what is uh, words like freedom and autonomy and in that in that context, um, euthanasia. People don't even know what that means. Uh, or assisted suicide versus assisted death. Um, that I'm not even sure what what that means either. Um, but more importantly, what the church teaches. So maybe uh, uh, I don't know. This might not be a fair uh, question for you, but in in the little time that we have left. What would you say would be the essence? I mean, we know that life is sacred from conception to natural death. What more do you want to tell the people of Canada and even the people in the United States that are listening to this about the essence of the church teaching with regards to end-of-life issues? Well, there's actually two things that, that I'm really concerned about, uh, Deacon Pedro. The first is, is just that, that, that we do get reconfirmed in our conviction yeah. That God, of course, is the author of all life, and God has fashioned us, male and female, in his image and likeness. That mm-hmm. is to say, for relationship with him, and therein lies the basis of a human dignity that is inalienable and imposes a limit um, to um, to our own interrelationships. That is to say, uh, we must respect that dignity in every circumstance and can never fall into the presumption that we have the right to take another person's life or have the right to take our own life. Yeah. The second thing, though, that, that underlies this initiative is the question of how we form our mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a, an increasingly secular, relativistic, individualistic society, um, and that creates a particular mindset that has been reflected in our Supreme Court decision, where uh, the individual rights, so-called rights, can be pursued without any concern for its impact on right. society. It's a, it's, it gives rise to a very false understanding of human autonomy. But our, we, today we're swimming in that kind of a, of a sea. Mm-hmm. And it's very tempting, very easy to adopt that mindset as our own if we're not careful. But our mindset is shaped not by Supreme Court justices or by parliamentarians, but by the gospel, yes. the teaching of the church. And this is the fundamental point that I want to keep alive in people's minds, not just through this series, but into the years ahead as we continue to face 
um, continuing threats to the dignity of life. Right. Okay, we're going to leave it there. But for our listeners, they can get all the information that they need for the live events. If they, if you are in the Archdiocese of Edmonton or in that area and you want to attend to one or all of these sessions at the Archdiocesan website, C-A-E-D-M, that's Catholic Archdiocese of Edmonton, C-A-E-D-M dot C-A. Um, and if you're not able to participate, if, or if you're not able to attend in person, all the sessions will be web streamed live, and you will be able to watch that web stream also at that same website, and of course, and our website here at saltandlighttv.org. Um, as the Archbishop mentioned, I'm going to be in Edmonton for two weeks to help with this project, so I, I, I hope that we're going to be uh, transferring some of that information also through this uh, medium of radio in this program, the Salt and Light Hour. Um, so, Archbishop Richard Smith, thank you for taking a little bit of time to tell us about this important issue and uh, looking forward to spending some time with you next week. Most welcome, and we're looking forward to welcoming you. Once again, that was Archbishop Richard Smith of the Archdiocese of Edmonton. You can find out more about the Every Life Matters series at their website, C-A-E-D-M dot ca and you can send questions uh if that you want addressed at these sessions uh to directly to the archdiocese through their uh, twitter at caedm or look look up uh, look them up on facebook here now is our featured artist of the week tom booth with the jesus song from his album time stands still lord jesus christ son of god mercy on me have mercy on me Lord Jesus Christ Son of God have mercy on me have mercy on me Amen Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, Amen. I trust in you Jesus I trust in you You are the son of the living God Jesus I trust in you I trust in you, Jesus, I trust in you. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, 
That was Tom Booth with The Jesus Song from his uh, latest album, Time Stands Still. Now, last time we had Tom Booth in the program, a few years ago, it was an introduction of Tom Booth to our Salt and Light Hour listeners. But I met Tom Booth, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years ago at some Catholic conference. It might have been NCYC 2001, the National Catholic Youth Conference. Uh, I think that year it was in Indianapolis. And I remember because we were getting ready for World Youth Day 2002, um, Tom is one of those Catholic singer-songwriters who's been in ministry faithfully now for, I'm going to say, almost 25 years, but it's probably more than 25 years. Uh, I just don't want to make him feel old. He's been involved with many national initiatives, such as Life Teen and with Franciscan University and, uh, of course, NCYC and the National Catholic Conference on Youth Ministry. And it's very cool to have Tom back on the program. Tom Booth, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so very much. Thanks for having me back on. So good. So, I mean, there's there's lots to kind of catch up on, but I know that you've been doing a lot of speaking and parish missions. Of course, you use your music, but maybe that hasn't been your primary focus in the last ugh, decade. Well, you know what's happened is the music has found its rightful place. Um, yeah. As you mentioned, I've been at this a while, too, by the yes. grace of God, and it's actually been 30 years. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, well, that's okay. You said it. Thanks be to God. Yes. Thanks be to God. Amen. Making you know? a living. And what's happened all oh, these last 12 years yeah. um, is really, a, I wouldn't say so much a change. Well, in some ways, it's a radical change, but a refocus of what I'm about, and that it really isn't the music. I mean, I love music. I express my faith through music. I share my faith through music. Yeah. But the message isn't the music. It's the gospel. Right. And prayer, especially prayer and contemplation, have just okay. taken a really prime prime place in my heart and life. And the music somehow has just found its rightful place. So doing parish missions or mm-hmm. retreats or conferences, really sharing, hopefully, from a deeper well, and the music is certainly a part of that presentation. Right. Uh, but it, I think, you know, when you're a young person and you're playing guitar, writing songs, you think, oh, it's, it's these songs. And yeah. You know, that's what I'm doing. There really isn't it. Yeah. It's just the vehicle. Yeah, uh, of course. So. Now, why why did you kind of sort of settle in those those themes of prayer and contemplation? You, are you hanging out with John Michael Talbot mm. too much? Maybe John Michael Powers probably got to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been my big brother for years. I was yes. 17 when I met him. He was 23. Yeah. And uh, I won't tell you what year that was. No, that's okay. Or something. <laughs> but, you know, in, um, in 2004, a lot of difficult things happened. Mm-hmm. And um, things in, in my parish, and especially things in my personal life with my family and my best friend of my father and a lot of a lot of people I knew and loved passed away mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time I think uh, Deacon Pedro I think it was five people died in two years oh very God. near and dear wow. to me and so I was at a monastery actually mm-hmm. and um, I had this uh, I don't know how to say it a mystical experience this yeah this deep awareness of God this 
descent, almost like Noah in the ark, to oh, yeah. radically reshape my life as best I could and make a way and kind of clearing out the cave of the heart to allow him in a deeper way. And it just changed how I thought of music, how I shared the gospel. Actually, I stopped writing music for a while. Wow. So it was, uh, you know, our conversions is an ongoing process, and this was just a real yeah. deepening, and it's one of those really thick tree rings, you know, when you look mm-hmm. at a tree, the mm-hmm. life of the tree, you can see there was a drought at this year. You can see a lot of growth here, not much growth here. This this was a very deep tree ring yeah. in my faith life. Yeah, and it's those, it's, uh, I don't know if I should say sadly, because maybe gladly, but it's those, those, those sort of desert times are... Times of Egypt is what my rabbi friend always calls it. That that we need to go through those so that we can find that those transformations, those uh, redemption moments. Um, That's beautiful. I, I love the prophet Hosea. The scripture. Yeah. The desert will lead you to your heart where I will speak. I know why. And that's exactly <laughs> th- their gift. I you know. know. We just went through Lent. Yes, that's a gift. But we're, we have many Lents, right? And yes. Yes. You know, God wants to lead us to our hearts where He dwells. Why did Jesus say, the Father now will make a home in you? Why did Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is within? Yes. Why did St. Paul say that our lives are hidden with Christ in God? So there is this depth, there is this call to the inside. And, you know, as a Catholic, we have this great tradition of contemplation and the monastics Mm -hmm. and, you know, the desert fathers and mothers and it, it's just a part of our faith. It's a tradition we have that maybe sometimes we don't look at. Absolutely, know. absolutely. And it's an important message, especially with the busyness here in, in North America. And everybody's so consumed with doing stuff and filling their schedules um, and not letting time stand still, which which I love that that's the title of your album. Um, <laughs> um, is that? Would you say that this album came out of that experience 12 absolutely. years ago? Absolutely. Yeah, I just so enjoyed talking with you, Pedro, because you just <laughs> connected so well. Exactly, that's it. Eternity in God. I, w- I was thinking, um, speaking with a mother who had lost her son. Yeah. I, just, I was thinking, you know, in the Lord, in the Eucharist, time stands still. Yes. You know? we're, we're connected with those who have gone before us, and we're connected with the body of Christ, that mystical union in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What a gift of our faith. And so I tried to express that in this song, Time Stands Still. That, yes. Uh, you know, they, some of our friends and family may have left us, but in the, in the blink of an eye, we'll be, with them, be, we'll be with them by the grace of God, and we'll not have missed anything. No. Yeah. It's beautiful. Now, would you say that all the songs in the album kind of capture some of that, that essence? I think that might be the uh, the thread running through it. Yeah. But let's face it, I, I write in too many styles. That's why it's been very difficult to promote me <laughs> as an yes. artist because yeah. you know you heard the record. Yeah. I love bluegrass. There's a bluegrass. Yes, song I know. Yeah. About the right the slide guitar. There's a worship song, definitely like a modern worship song. So I'm kind of all over the place, but yeah. that's who I am. I'm, I'm okay with that now. <laughs> no, I like I like that it's it sounds a little bit like the Tom you Tom Booth of 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 old that we love and 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 uh, and care for, you know. It's a little I bit. I appreciate of, you saying that. You know the old days. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, well, no, I, I of course love what you're doing, and I, I hope that our listeners do too. Um, you've been also doing, I mentioned, and all these national initiatives that maybe you've been involved with, uh, Life Teen and stuff. But now you're, are you still music director for the National Catholic Youth Conference? Yes, I, we just uh, finished. I think it was just last November, right? Yeah, NCYC. NCYC, yeah. And um, where were we? In Indianapolis. It was again, yeah. And, see, that's where I think I yeah, met you and, there like 13 years ago, whenever it was there in 2001. I think that's when we yeah, met. I yeah. think you're right. You said that in the setup of the yeah, show. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So that's kind of the home of NCYC now. 25,000 oh, really? kids. And yeah, it's, it's central. It's kind of middle of the country. And so they're, they're keeping it there, which is really smart. And what an honor to serve with the Federation. Uh-huh. And really, it's such a gathering of so many youth ministry folks. As you said, Franciscan University is there, and Life Teen, and all, everybody in between. And it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's like an a mini, honor to serve those kids. It is, I mean, I was going to say like a mini World Youth Day, but it is the National Youth Day, Youth Weekend for the United States. Um, yeah. Uh, do you, what does it mean to be music director? Do you just get to pick the music, liturgy? Like, how does that, what is that job? Well, I'm just one of, of many on a committee okay. that meets for a year prior and really tries to listen to the needs of young people around the country, um, picking speakers, picking themes, eventually picking music. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm just one of many. And that weekend, I'm, I'm the MD music director of the band. Okay. Uh, Kate Cuddy, my colleague, is yeah. fantastic. She, she directs the choir of kids. Nice. Oh, there's merrily there's so many names and good people working. So yeah. I'm I'm a small part of the team. That's good, but you did write that uh, theme song for NCYC last year, right? Which is on. The f- it was really cool. It was, I think it's actually two uh, two years ago now. Okay. Uh, my friend, good old Matt Marr. You remember him? Yeah, of He's course. Yeah. Matt Marr. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, nobody knows who he is. <laughs> are are I, we all proud of him? He's doing such great work. So Matt Marr and I composed a song by the love of God, and it was the NCYC theme a couple years ago. And it's a, what I like about that song is the theology is strong. Uh, yeah. The uh, sacraments of initiation, baptism, and confirmation, and Eucharist. So, Yeah, beautiful. Okay, Tom, that's all the time we have. Do you have, uh, I, I guess you're not, you, you said you're not actively writing albums and stuff, but anything coming down the pipes that we should keep our eyes open? Are you going to World Youth Day this year? I, I'm not going to World Youth Day, but I was so excited. I was preaching a mission. Yeah. And Mother Teresa is very important to me. I met her a few times. Oh, yeah. And she had a big part of to do with my inner healing years yeah. ago. And do you know that she's going to be canonized? Yes, of course you know that. in October, yeah. And do you know what day she's going to be canonized? On my birthday. Is September that your birthday? Because that is her feast day. That is her yeah. feast day. So I'm hoping oh, my beautiful. wife and I can go that to you Rome can go. say thank you to Mother. That would be and, a great... Uh, uh, you know, oh, beautiful. But I'll tell you what. As Beautiful. you go out, there's a song on this new record. It's called More Than Conquerors. Yes. You know, we, we don't just barely get by, but by the grace of God, totally by the grace of God, we're more than conquerors. We are the beloved of God. So yes. Maybe your audience would want to hear that song. It's the old wild Tom Booth, you know, get out the guitar and crank it up. Absolutely. I'm still crazy. The rocker. Fan. That's good. Thank you. Um, we will play that song on the way out. Thank you, Tom. Great to talk to you. And uh, hopefully we'll bring you to Canada or our paths will cross somewhere. Sounds great. All God right. God bless you, you too. All right. That was Tom Booth, our featured artist this week. You can learn more about Tom, find out about his speaking engagements to bring him to your parish, all that good stuff, how to buy his music at his website, tomboothmusic.com. 
Here now is Tom with that song that he uh, beautifully introduced, More Than Conquerors, from his album Time Stands Still. We're listening to Tom Booth with More Than Conquerors from his album Time Stands Still, published by Spirit and Song. And that's all for today. Thank you for being with us and for writing to us. Remember to send me haiku prayers. Remember, it's, a f- it's five syllables, then seven syllables, then five syllables. And I'll read whatever you send right here on the air. You can find me on Twitter and also on Facebook at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for your financial support. What we do takes money, and so we're grateful for your support. While you're thinking about that, please consider becoming a Salt and Light monthly donor through our Guardians program that guarantees us with a predictable income, which is so important when we're planning for the future. And if you are in the United States, you can now donate to us in Canada. It's easy. You can find out how to do that on our website, saltandlighttv.org, or write to me personally to ask. Thanks for considering that when you're making your charitable contributions. And thank you for being with us for this hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. I worry about a thing, no death, where is your sting? There's no time to be afraid, you got me dancing on the grave. Cause we are more than conquerors. 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 We are more.